Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Selzer. Hi, Stacey. Did you get here? Morning, John. I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. We're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, are you hurricane yet? We are not a hurricane yet. Here in North Carolina, I think we're going to get hit with some, some big rain, but we're not going to get what they're getting in Louisiana. So our, our thoughts are going out to everybody right now in the midst of it. Um, gosh, it's, it's just been a year, no matter how you look at it. You know, we're, we're dealing with um, hurricanes coming these directions, and you're still sort of fleeing right now. I, I think, you know, at least up through the next a couple of days, from um, massive wildfires in in California um, that just seem to have gotten, I think one of them they said was the biggest they've had in I don't know a century or something like that. It was it was crazy numbers. Um, yeah, you. What more can we say from 2020? Right, it's just been it's been a year. It's definitely been a year. Are you safe <laughs> and and someplace where? Um, you can at least talk about, you know, what's going on with a little bit of relative ease right now and, and able to breathe the air. Yeah. Yeah. We're holed up in a, you know, it's, it's good to be, it's good to be me. We're holed up in a, a cute little bed and breakfast um, way North um, in California on the ocean. The air is breathable and um, it's a delightful sort of high fifties, foggy morning um, so things are good things are good now the house is still standing uh, but you can't breathe the air there yet and so we're going to give it a couple of days to settle down so that we don't kill ourselves for going home um, but wow. it, yeah. you know this all things considered this is this is not the end of the world it's just a, a bump in the road it's a little hard to get work done um, yeah yeah Hard to say. So I saw someone, yeah, I saw someone post this morning that they just, you know, hurricanes, fires, and any natural disaster that sort of is is continuing to come but isn't quite there. Like you've got to kind of wait for that time when you've got to get ready, and yet you've got to be. It's really hard to sort of keep focused while you're going through it. It's even harder to stay focused even afterwards when whatever has happened has happened and you might be in a different situation. I think, you know, if there's anything that, that, that we could all probably say that we have gone through in 2020 has been some level of sort of productivity stop in some place in our lives, right? Like whether that was from the pandemic or from, you know, a job loss or productivity for our own selves personally has definitely been, um, because you just have to stop sometimes and just think my mind's just not moving anymore is really what's happening, right? But I think we've talked about that. You know, there's just a point when your brain says, I, I just need to stop and, and, and not focus on anything else right now. Um, so many of us are feeling that way these days, it seems. Yeah, I wonder, though, uh, you, you, you know, there's all different kinds of work. And um, what constitutes productivity? I, I think I, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And, and yeah. the idea that productivity involves always moving one step forward—that's like Lucy and Ethel on a chocolate line in the <laughs> conveyor belt scene in, the, in that old comedy. Yeah. That's what that's what productivity used to be, um, but but when you and I stop and 
um, change our focus for a little bit, the, the result is often greater insight, greater productivity in terms of idea generation. It's not we, – we may not get 70 phone calls in a row, row but we get – um, the opportunity to gel the things that we've been discovering, and um, it's a different kind of productivity. I don't think I don't think the people who talk about productivity really understand what it means to be a working um, producer in the 21st century. It doesn't work like yeah. it did when when we were making widgets. Well, and I'm not even sure that it, 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 it that when we were making widgets, it worked the way we thought it did. So I actually, that's a great example uh, as, a, as a Lucy and Ethel sort of, uh, and, you know, if you haven't seen that, I Love Lucy um, uh, particular series uh, uh, episode, you, you really do need to look it up. It's amazing. But, um, you know, one of the things that I have noticed as we've gone to the sort of machine optimization of hours and times, I and mean, you see this in the, and the sort of pushback from the Amazon workers, and you see this in the um, what's going on right now with our um, uh, post office here in the United States, right? Um, the, the push for constantly sort of automating, you know, you know, treating a human like an automated machine, right? Like that productivity never stops, even in a more physical work environment. Um, in the past, there was space for things like, um, you know, you had your breaks and your, your time off and because everything wasn't so sort of tracked to the minute, to the hour, you would have people who would congregate and learn from each other. You would have time off to have conversations about how to improve something in the, in the work environment. We've lost much of that because we've optimized so much. Right. And so um, I do think that, you know, the, the concept of what is productivity um, has, has very much shifted to how many, how much you are actually sort of thing you are doing, right, thing you're getting out of a particular minute or hour versus this idea of innovation, which everybody seems to be seeking, but nobody really wants to invest the open air time to do, right? Um, sort of, sort of. The, the, you're right. First, first, first of all, you're completely right about about what's happened to workers in warehouse operations or large retail establishments. The attention to and monitoring of every breath um, is 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 out of hand, and it is taking away the things that make companies great by focusing on extracting the maximum amount of, quote, productive work, you lose sight of what are the things that make a, a company strong. Um, and so, so you build this kind of fragile ecosystem where, where people are a commodity. But in coding or um, many other sort of technical slash creative enterprises, you can't make things go faster than they go. And and that's where I think that's where the productivity measurement stuff gets into trouble because um, um, output for coders
and problem solvers and managers and product managers is all lumpy. It's all lumpy. It happens, it happens in spurts rather than in a steady flow. And the idea that it should happen in a steady flow and that you should be able to measure it as a steady flow with an increase up to the right, that's, yeah. that's applying um, industrial ideas to post-industrial methods. And, and, and it just doesn't work. And so the stats get all weird when you start doing that. And the majority of the economy is now in some sort of service operation rather than uh, machine operation. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a lot of what we, you know, there's not a ton of news going on this week in the HR tech space itself. There's a couple of new things that we'll probably want to mention. Um, but most, I think, of the conversation that we pulled this week out of what's happening, at least in the market, is about this idea of work productivity, um, who's losing, you know, um, job postings versus who's not, um, that kind of stuff. So, yes, you know, I think this is, the, this is the conversation that every organization should and needs to be having um, when they start talking about what um, the, if you want to call it next normal, is going to be, right? That's one of the other things that I saw this, uh, this week that I thought was done very well. Um, the... Um, one of the lead technologists over at Salesforce had, had written, I thought, what was an interesting, you know, very salesy kind of um, article, but a lot of it focused on what is the next normal, meaning that what we had we weren't going to go back to, which I think you and I have been talking about for quite some time, that, that what the world looked like previously we have now accelerated into something else. And a lot of it has to do, I think, with the conversation that, that you were just mentioning. Um, we have some really interesting stuff going on. Um, you know, the COVID-19 um, is dividing the American worker. Great conversation that you and I were just sort of having, but there's some interesting charts that we should probably get into around that. Um, there's also some news this week about new job postings plummeting for white-collar professionals. Um, there's some industry news that, that's probably worth uh, mentioning. Um, modern hire appoints Karen Bork. Borker, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, as their new CEO. Um, this is a, another big change for an organization that just went through a major change last year um, with the combination of two organizations creating Modern Hire. Um, try not, um, if you don't know the PEO um, space, right, the um, uh, small business first, um, em employment sort of space, Trinet is one of the biggest ones in the market, if not the biggest. I think depends on uh, them and ADP might be um, competitive as far as how big they are. They have over 313,000 worksite employees, 18,000 clients, um, and they're adding more technology to their offerings. So they're basically creating themselves an environment where they have probably a technology conversation to go along with the services conversation. Uh, Ceridian launched a secondary public offering. Not sure how... Um, Interesting that is to many, but, you know, it's just another thing to know about what's going on. And then we saw a couple of announcements where Ultimate ranked as the number three in Fortune's best workplace for millennials. They always get on those lists, but that one I thought was interesting because it was focused on millennials, and they noted some of the things they were doing even through COVID to keep that. And as we're talking about the fact that organizations are trying and, and workers are trying to figure out how they sort of stay focused in this market, the ex-Google employees formed a virtual tech school for gap year students amid college closures. So lots of, I think, kind of all over the place. Um, 
data and conversation points this week, but, you know, what catches your eye? I mean, is it the productivity conversation we should really focus on today, or do you want to talk a little bit about some of the, the HR tech news? Any of it interesting in its own respect? Well, the, just just to put on the top, um, uh, David Ossip, the, the secondary offering at Ceridian is all about Thomas Lee Partners and David Ossip cashing out a little bit. Um, Ossip has done a tremendous job over what's got to be almost a decade now, growing Dayforce into the thing that became all of Ceridian. Um, and so this secondary offering is just the investors and the CEO cashing out. Um, getting getting and time great, to open up and add some more great, investors, yeah. Yep, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. Um, so beyond that, um, we should say welcome to the community, to Karen Borchert. It'll be interesting to see how modern hire evolves. Um, um, that strikes me as a, well, we're really bleeping up today. Um, uh, strikes me as an interesting placement. She's Her background is really... Um, uh, the background checking industry and moving deals around the background industry. So it'll be interesting to see if modern hire heads down that path. Yeah. And for those here. who don't know them. Yeah. For those who don't know, modern hire has now got a video interviewing as well as sort of what was shaker um, assessments, which was basically sort of, on-site or uh, developed sort of um, job-stimulated um, assessments to help pick the right um, person for the right job and the right job for the right person kind of a thing. So now the idea of adding sort of background checking to that seems to, to be sort of where we're seeing that direction of sort of selection go, I would say. So. Good. So what's got your attention? Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting to know, you know, out of all of this that and it, we, we were talking about this idea of um, what productivity is and what the new job roles are. I was kind of intrigued by the fact that we've got all these ex-Googlers, right? I mean, you know, Google has a huge amount of people who come and go through the organization. But focusing on the idea of putting out there some sort of a a mini online schooling environment, right, sort of training environment, particularly for kids who are taking gap years. And I, I, this was a conversation I had with my, my kids who were heading off to college, right? Um, do you just wait this year out and, and sort of work and, and learn some things online? Um, they're particularly making a very focused effort called um, uh, on giving sort of this idea of um, – additional training with the idea that they're going to take other professionals as well as ex-Googlers to train on very technology-focused topics for people who are taking a gap year. Is this, is this conversation about sort of reskilling, you know, getting different skills in the midst of the pandemic environment part of the conversation you think about um, this next generation of work, the idea of decentralizing work, the idea of decentralizing learning, or is this just a reaction to the pandemic. I mean, is, is there anything new about this, do you think, or is this just uh, more people just trying to do something different while they're in the midst of a pandemic? Uh, you know, I think from what I can tell, 
the um, um, sorry, it's um, the educational establishment is failing, and there are not going to be as many colleges next year as there were this year by a significant number. A lot of the a lot of the um, colleges live month to month or paycheck to paycheck, just like the people they graduate and going for a year, which it looks like now without full finances running through means they're going to be wounded and they haven't been able to consistently produce people coming out the door with the right skill set, even though we know what the right skills are. We do know what the right skills are, and they involve data literacy and being better at math and understanding statistics and understanding how to operate in the environment with those things. Um, and the folks in places like Google know all about that stuff. So they're, um, they're, they're doing smart things um, to help people get headed in the right direction. So I think, it's, I think this is sort of the tip of the iceberg here. Yeah, and and I think we're, we, you know, you're seeing a lot of this kind of conversation of learn from the experts, making, um, you know, sort of experts more accessible to the market. And I think you and I have had this conversation in the past about how um, all um, areas of uh, media, um, journalism, uh, you know, education in general, right. Um, it, it has been going down the path of getting closer to the to the person who who has the capability or the expertise to do the work um, with the education component of it, and I think that to your point is a really big issue for universities because their whole model is based off of you know we will separate this world, we'll teach you how to get prepared, and then you'll go and do an internship, and then you'll go and do you know some time working in a small company. But there, there's a progressive idea about how you get educated in any kind of profession and some of that's being flipped on its head with these new models right um which i think gets back to this idea of what what does this new world look like from both a job perspective but also from a real productivity perspective like how quickly can you hit the ground running right well it's it's also a um return return to apprenticeship it's a total return to apprenticeship. Learning from the experts is apprenticing. And you can do apprenticeship differently in a world where you can give lots of people the same course content at the same time. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see lots of things pop up that are substitutes for college degrees and, uh, and to watch people build careers with those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and you know, part of getting back to the earlier conversation we were having about, um, you know, where we are at from a from a professional perspective, what is the next generation of of workers? The big conversation we start off with, which is about productivity, start off for me and you because you had a tweet last week, which I thought was really in- interesting. It was an online sort of conversation that came out of an article that was written in the Wall Street Journal about COVID-19 dividing the American worker. And, uh, you know, the stat they threw out, as you were talking about it, is that, you know, people with high school degrees are less in the U.S. Um, 
about half of all Americans here have seen their real wages decline for the past 30 years. Uh, and the median wage of all workers has stagnated. And there was kind of a question about why. And then they started showing some charts that just, I think we've all known it, but to see it in sort of the, the red and yellow of the chart dynamic, right, showed how um, effective tax rates for the U.S. companies by type of expenditure have gone up or down. And what you see is that taxing labor, the actual work that someone's doing, so basically your payroll check, has continued to stay the same or gone up over the last, um, you know, 20 years, while taxing things like software and equipment, which is all about automation, has continued to decline and hit really low bottom numbers in a way that, you know, just basically automating is we're subsidizing it. We're making it much cheaper to automate than to actually pay employees to work. This, I think, blew the mind of anybody who sort of looked at the chart, but also creates a big divide in sort of this worker conversation we're talking about because that sort of taxing payroll hours is the same conversation we were just having about productivity, right? So for every hour you're working, you're getting taxed versus time spent sort of leaping ahead to innovation or investing in automation. Does this, do you think this plays a big role in that conversation as well? You know, um, how people will get trained, where you'll spend your time, what you're willing to invest in in companies, right? I think I think what you can say is if that trend continues, we don't need to worry very much about the um, relations between people in the two political parties, <laughs> because because the people who we are standing on top of and starving to death um, won't bother with uh, polling places, right? If that if the trend continues, where where we favor automation over um, workers with the tax structure. The tax structure favors automation over workers. As long as we keep doing that, um, then we're going to continue to squeeze the people at the bottom of the social structure. And you can see, I think, I think one way of reading uh, much of the social unrest in the country is the people at the bottom of the social structure are not happy. And they're not happy with being at the bottom of the social structure. They're not happy feeling trapped at the bottom of the social structure. And what I, I would say, the the tax policy that we're talking about, which um, penalizes companies for hiring workers and rewards them for automating workers out of existence that's as that's as repressive a tax scheme as you can ever imagine if you're on the bottom end of the social system. And, so and there so if, would... if we don't fix it quickly, if we don't fix it quickly, bad things will happen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and I, there will be some, you know, I think there would be some pushback in this saying that, well, are, are you saying we shouldn't progress or we shouldn't, you know, move forward? Because I know – Early on in the computer conversation and the shift from, you know, agrarian to sort of, you know, industrial age, right, was the idea that, well, yes, we would all love to be more outside, but, but working in a factory was better. We're automating the world, right, and you can't stop progress. But I think this is different from that conversation about stopping progress because here in this particular case, you're, you're subsidizing prog what you might consider to be progress in a way, right, um, that – 
also um, not taking into account the um, things you need, the human sort of capability to do inside your organization. And we're almost forcing, for example, um, our artificial intelligence and our automated, you know, role gen, gen automated role uh, generators and all those type of things to make decisions prior to, to them being really ready to make them because it makes it's more cost effective to do that, right? Right. Right. So, so I, I, I don't know how far to peel this one back, but but the, the the pro argument is that work always seems historically work has always seemed to expand to include whatever tools we make, and and I certainly believe that. But the the net impact of the tax structure is to make it impossible for the people who are the primary consumers of the output of the economy to actually consume it right the whole key the whole key to the industrial revolution was pricing cars so that people could afford to buy them um, and and yeah. always keeping a clear a clear view of the fact that new automation needed to produce things that people could consume and um it seems like we're running out of that stuff. I'm not sure, but it seems like we're running out of that stuff. And if you look at the world, the sort of the the new abnormal that we're in, um, there's nowhere near as much retail in stores, and there's nowhere near as much sort of in the town square stuff because you can't. Um, yeah. And 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 it's this it's this perfect storm of economic stuff that's just going to fuel more social unrest as people start to be on the receiving end of it. And I think that, you know, it's very scary. And 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 this idea of um, wages are always going up, right, which is, I think, what everyone sort of says in in, in this type of environment. You know, there was a, a big article this week about Delta Airlines, you know, basically planning to furlough, you know, basically almost 2,000 pilots. Um, but they, they basically said in the article that if the pilots union chose to allow them to reduce everybody's salary by 15%, they would not have to furlough as many. And it, that struck me a bit. You know, we've been talking about this really interesting thing that's been happening in this pandemic which is instead of sort of making across the board furloughs, many organizations are attempting to reduce payroll and people are, are more accepting of that this day than they would have been, I think, any point in time in the past. Um, and it's an interesting dynamic in this new uh, sort of um, approach to addressing uh, economic downturn is to say, well, we'll just reduce your salary which is also then sort of creates the conversation about the value of work and skills, right? Um, if we can reduce everybody's pay by 15%, does that have an impact on what the value of those skills and capabilities are in other organizations? So then the whole industry has that sort of reaction to it. Do you think that plays a role in, in what you're talking about as well? Is that this, um, this con- um uh, way we're looking at labor as as the problem child, right? To to sort of address and try and automate our ways out of it. 
also play into this, this new focus on reducing salaries too? Um, I, I don't know if that's, if that's exactly right, but it makes it possible, right? It, the, the largest cost in any business is its labor cost. And so there isn't an executive who isn't interested in reducing labor costs. Um, and um, it may be that the entire structure of management and how we think about managing enterprises is also coming under fire a little bit because the idea that you that you make money by eliminating the people who in the long run buy your products um, <laughs> is, is a little bit like circling circling around the whirlpool as you go down the drain. Um, so, and maybe that'll get, maybe that'll get clear, but, but it's hard to make sense out of it because the, the Dow Jones industrial average has become completely unhinged from what's actually happening in the economy. And so there are people all over wall street claiming that this is a great economy. Uh, just because the stock market continues to go up, and well, well yeah, I mean, markets going up is a good way to buy votes. It really, I mean, if we're following the public companies in our space, um, I don't think there's a single one that has seen um, sort of a stock market hit at at a point at which we thought they would. Right, uh, workdays numbers are up. Um, we're seeing uh, success factors numbers are up. Um, expected, you know, sort of in, uh, for the next um, quarter as well. Um, Salesforce just hit its highest stock price ever, I think is what they said, right, or something in that range. I was like, wow, yeah, they're not hurting on the stock market level at all, um, which is completely separated from the idea of what we're seeing here with large layoffs and people being asked to um, decrease salaries and, and people, you know, being asked to, to take to do more work with, with um, less employees inside the organization as they're, they're sort of canceling job recs and stuff. So, yeah, very um, separate perspectives on how you look at, at what is uh, an economic downturn or an economic um, crisis, right? Well, so another gloomy, gloomy, gloomy day here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, gloomy. I think that's what... We were talking about important topics. <laughs> I think you win the doom and gloom award for this week. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's usually right, mine. I that. usually win that award. I, I, I usually <laughs> win that award. So, so one of these days people will figure out that we're both from Ohio, and that's the real problem. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> There's pessimism built into our, our DNA. <laughs> there you go. So yeah. so you've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. We will see you back here again next week. Bye-bye now, and thanks, Stacey. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Bye. Stay safe.